Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world He took the midnight train Going anywhere Just a city boy Born and raised in South Detroit He 
A singer in a smoky room I smell of wine and cheap perfume For a smile they can share the night It goes on and on and on and on Explore the world at Microwave with ICOM's new SHF Portable, the IC905. This all-mode rig covers 2 meters, 70 centimeters, 1.2 gigs, 2.4 gigs, 5.6 gig bands and with the optional CX10G
All right. Just wanted to say hello to everybody out there, especially if you're listening on our podcast, our WBCQ, International Shortwave Station, on 7490. You're, uh, you're listening to Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio shortwave. And uh, right now we're in our pre-show. We're playing about, I don't know, 60 minutes worth of uh, some 60s, 70 music. Uh, we got about 20 minutes before the show will start. So if you're out there listening on WBCQ, the show will start in about 20 minutes. Or if you're on our audio-only podcast, if you don't want to hear the music, just fast forward to about the 30-minute point, and that's where the show starts. We'll be back with you in a few minutes.
Hello. Hello. Get that echo off. Hello uh, out there to our uh, shortwave listeners. This is uh, Amateur Radio Roundtable, ham radio shortwave program. And uh, you're listening on WBCQ right now, 7490 kilohertz. And uh, we appreciate it and glad you're with us. Also, you may be listening to our audio-only podcast on any of the number of podcast carriers out there. We're playing some 60s and 70s music uh, pre-show. We always do that pre-show for about 30 minutes. We're about 10 minutes away from the show, so stay tuned for our uh, Amateur Radio Roundtable in about 10 minutes.
All right, it's uh, it's about time to get started here. Hey, I see some people in here. I see Doc in here. Hello, Doc. Uh, KG5KS, hello to you. Mark, I see you in here. Uh, I saw Andy in here a while ago, and who else is in there? Andy, Mark. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to get started here. Just a second. All right. Good evening. Good evening, everybody out there. You're watching, or listening to Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio, about shortwave electronics, other things we get into sometimes. Um, if you're out there listening on WBCQ, we welcome you uh, uh, as a shortwave listener. That's how many of us got started in ham radio as shortwave listeners. Send us an email. Let us know where you are and, and how you're hearing the station. Just send an email to tom at w5kub.com. Tom at w5kub.com. I'm Tom, and uh, would appreciate it. If you're out there listening on uh, one of our podcasts, we're, we're covered nearly, carried nearly on every podcast carrier out there, from uh, iTunes to iNet Radio to Google Play. Every, everybody carries us out there. And uh, if you would like to, uh, hey, I'd, I'd like to hear from you. Somebody sent me an email this week. It was nice. Uh, but send, me, send us an email. Uh, you're probably going to hear uh, on the audio podcast, you're probably going to hear some of the 60s and 70s music the 30 minutes prior to the show starting. We're, we're starting to leave that on sometimes. So if you're out there on a podcast and you, you, you bring up Amateur Radio Roundtable and you got music, don't go away. You're in the right place. Just fast forward about 30 minutes to where the show starts, and uh, we, uh, we'll be there. All right. Um, let's see what else is going on here. Uh, join our Facebook group. Our Facebook group is called W5KUB. We got about 14,000 members in that group, so uh, please, uh, please join us uh, there. We'll, we'll approve your... Uh, your membership as soon as you get in there. And also, if you will, on our uh, uh, our video webcast here, if you will, hit that subscribe button. It should be right down here in the bottom, what's that, right-hand corner of your, your screen. I got a little arrow pointing to it. Hopefully, hopefully it's right down here somewhere. You should, should be able to find it. So hit that, hit the... Hey, hit the notify button, and if you will, hit the like button. That really helps us. 
uh, if you hit the like button and uh, uh, YouTube will help to uh, funnel our show into other people that are looking for similar topics. Uh, so, uh, hey, tonight, it's going to be an interesting show tonight. Uh, we don't have a, I don't have a lot of heavy stuff planned, but I do want to talk about a few things that it may be controversial, and I'm hoping that we can get some participation in the chat room. And, uh, you know, I want to talk about a few things tonight, like uh, this new FT8 Auto, where you don't even have to be at home. You know, you turn your FT8 on, and it just works country after country, and contact after contact, and... You know, you come home after work and you check your computer and you've worked 300 countries. So we'll talk a little about that. Uh, also, I want to talk about new ham licensing. You know, I'm old school. Uh, I've had my license now right at 60 years. It was much different back in my day. We didn't have the technology that we have today. Uh, a lot of things have changed. Believe me, lots have changed. I don't use a lot of the, the stuff to, this year, I mean, this the, presently, you know, like digital and stuff like that, but uh, I have tried it, and I'm not against it. But I want to talk a little about all this recruitment that's going on. You know, they're saying ham radio is a dying hobby, and if we don't get people in here, it's going to die. Guys, let's be careful who we get in here. Uh, I have seen and people have sent me notes, people have sent me notes showing uh, conversations that new, new hams have had. And new hams say things like, okay, I got my license. What kind of radio do I need to order? Well, what kind of radio do I need to order? What kind of license do you got? What do you, what do you want to do? Or they say, uh, I, got my, I got my radio. Now what do I do? You know, and, um, you know, I, I'm kind of against these high-pressure, uh, study for three hours, take the test, and and uh, you get your license. I'm against that. Now, what I'm not against is all the new people coming in that really want to, uh, you know, be be a ham radio operator and enjoy the hobby. So we'll talk a little about that. Um, and I, I'm sure there are varying opinions out there. So we'll talk a little about that. Um, hey, there's some just some. Uh, other announcements that I'll make here in just a minute. Let me let me go over and pull Glenn in here and see how Glenn is doing. Glenn, let's see if I can get Glenn in here. How you doing, man? You 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 uh, you 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 went to work today, so you still survive. Yeah, still still doing the work thing. Yeah, do that two days a week, and then I work from home the other three. So it's not horribly bad. Yeah, well, but, uh, yeah, and you've got to work on your book in addition to work at work. Yeah. So. You know. Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of strange, oh, but yeah. When are you going to take book finished? Um, my current estimate is in about two and a half weeks. All right. It, it's in the final stages <clears throat> here. Um, and uh, talked to the publisher this morning. They're all, all ready for it. So uh, hopefully they'll make it out in time for Christmas. That's the plan. Well, that's uh, that's good. And hey, and then I'm going to take a break and start playing with the radios once, myself. Yeah, once you get that done, once you get that done, uh, you will be able to get on here and talk to us on the ham radio, man. No, no, I'm going to use FT8 Auto, and you can talk Are to you, me. Uh, yeah, uh, hey, I may <laughs> I do that. I tell you what, why don't you and I get on FT8 Auto if that's what it's called? And hey, we'll just turn it on. We'll go get us a sausage biscuit, cup of coffee, or something, and we'll come back and see see who worked the most people. What do you think yeah, about that? Yeah, there you go. What do you think about um, that? But, um, no, um, 
I'm, I'm planning to take some time off and work. Um, you know, and I've got thoughts on the new ham and the FT8 thing too. So I'll wait until we hit that, that topic and throw yeah. my couple of cents in. Well, I, I think, I think it will be a good discussion and, uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll have a few, we'll, we'll probably lose a few people in the chat room, you know? Yeah. Because, uh, just about everything you do nowadays is controversial, you know. You, you, yeah. You know. Anyway, okay. Hey. Uh, okay. Let so, me a couple. Yeah. On, let me do a couple announcements here before we get into our discussions tonight. Uh, so uh, let's see. Oh, hey, here's some news. October the fourth. Anybody know what's going to happen on October the fourth? Isn't not, that the eclipse? It's not going to be a meteor that hits. It's not going to be a meteor that hits the Earth or anything like that. On October the 4th, your TV is going to buzz. Your cell phone is going to buzz. Oh, no. Your, your, all your emergency sirens and towns are going to go off. It's a nationwide emergency alert between FEMA and the FCC. All TVs, all radios, all cell phones, all sirens, all everybody. It's going to be like the end of the world, man, in in. I've, no, got, no, no, no. I've got an approximate time that's going to happen. So, you know, you might pass this on. Don't get alarmed, guys. It's going to be just a drill. The but, 4th of October? Yeah. But a lot of people probably won't Ooh. realize it's a drill until they start checking into it. But, guys, I, I, I have some inside information that it's going to probably happen about 2.20 p.m., 2.20 in the afternoon, Eastern Time, I'm going to be at work. Well, I would would imagine your fire alarm is going to go off, your lights are going to flash, and they're going to tell you to go to the bunker, man. You know? I don't get any work done anyway, so. Well, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, anyway, that's that's going to happen, guys. It's going to be a big deal. Big deal. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that one. That would have been interesting. Hey, uh, guys, I've got several things I, I want to give away if you want it. Hey, does anybody want any Mastrant rope? Mastrant rope? Do you, anybody want that? Anybody want this stuff? I've got I've got several twenty dollar gift certificates uh, for Mastrant rope. This is your uh, non conductive guy, and uh, you got to spend thirty bucks. But this is for twenty dollars. I've got several uh, twenty dollar gift certificates. If you would like to to get this, if you'd like to use that product, and you want to you want to use it, uh, hey, send me an email. Uh, let me know, and hey, I'll send I'll send you some uh, gift certificates for that. Also, does anybody use Teledyne Cubex quads, Cubex Cubex antennas? Um, I don't know. Hey, he, I I'm, I'll give this to anybody who wants it. This is a hundred dollar. This is a $100 gift certificate. Let's see. Let's see yeah, that's a $100 gift certificate uh, for, at Teledyne for uh, Cubex antennas. So if you want, Darn. if you buy, you know, these are some pretty expensive antennas. I, yeah, that's, I that's think not bad. Cheap, I think your cheapest antennas are like seven, eight hundred bucks. But hey, you know, if you're a user of Teledyne uh, uh, antenna, I've got a hundred bucks here. I'll give you if you want it, you know. Uh, also, um, if you want to go to Hamcation, send me an email. I'm taking a list. I've got, I've got two. I thought you had four tickets. Well, I've, I've got t- 
two pairs. That's four, That's right? That's it. Two, two pairs. I've got two and two. So if anybody wants uh, to go to uh, uh, Hamcation uh, in February, send me an email. I'll put your name in. We've got a, a few people. You know, there's been about six or eight people that have put their name in a hat for that. Um, I'm wanting to do it this way so I can give it to somebody that use it. You know, I don't want Hambot just to pick somebody and then we, we spend 50 cents to mail it, if that's what the post is usually doing. I don't know. You know I, don't I can save you postage on two of those. Yeah. So I don't want to just send it to somebody and they throw it in a trash can and not use it. I want to send it to somebody that wants to use it and wants to be there. Unfortunately, or are fortunately, we're not going to be going back uh, down here this year. It's a long ways for us. I know, Glenn, you're going down here. I'm, I'm going. I was just going to say, can I throw my name in the hat or is well, that well, too close to home? You, you sure can. And, and you know, uh, I need to read our uh, our uh, contract between, yeah. you know, between management and, and the co-host. There may be some clause in there where you are more eligible to receive <laughs> to receive these, you know, as a bonus on top of your salary. So, oh, that'll be I, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll check on that. If and, and I hey, I figure you as a as a forum, they'd be sending you tickets, won't, won't they? No, um, not for Orlando. Um, Is that right? They don't. Um, Huntsville gives you a free ticket if you do a forum. Uh, the only way I would get a free ticket in Orlando is if ARRL would set me up with one as part of a book signing event or something there. Well, that, but, uh, that, that, that's kind of... Hey, I got no problem with buying know. my own tickets. Wait I mean, I hey, bought I, my hey, airfare. We've got some contacts. We want, we're going to take care of you one way or the other. So <laughs> if, you, if you're interested, send us an email, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll do that. Now, let's see. Let me mark some things off here, so... We've talked about the Hamcation tickets, and uh, we've talked about the Mass Grant. Uh, yeah, that, that's actually one thing that's on my list of stuff to do when I retire is I'm going to go to a, a bunch more ham fests. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, I'm really, it's time to get out and relax. So I'm taking about, I say this, y'all y'all can mark my words and see how bad I am. I'm not going to write another book for at least a year. Well, that'd be good. Take a break. But man. we'll we'll see just how long that holds up. Yeah. But now I'm I'm pretty much out of material. I gotta I gotta think some new stuff up, play in the lab, and build some new things. Yep. Yep. Well, again, send me a note if you want the master it. This stuff's been around quite a few years now. They've got big booths at Dayton and other places. Uh, it's, it's the non-conductive rope. A lot of people have been using this non-conductive rope for a long time now instead of, you know, your metallic guy wires. And there's a lot of advantages to this. This stuff's really strong. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, rot. It doesn't mildew. You know, I mean, it's, it's some pretty good yeah, stuff. I, good I, stuff. I've got some of this been out there outside for years. And, you know, when you, when you pull up, pull an antenna up over a limb you got you got a lot by like an extra 40 or 50 feet of uh rope it's been laying on the wet ground out there for like three or four or five years and that, that rope is just about as good today as it was the day i i, I um, put it up there so yeah i'm glad you said that it's about time for me to replace my rope yeah and you know uh my ropes a lot of them probably have grown into the tree i, I don't think they want to slide very very good up there but you know hey that's the fun about ham radio you know hey 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's time for me to rebuild my antennas <clears throat> as well, and that's going to be my fall-winter project is get all the antennas patched back up and put back together from the ice storm last year. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's talk a minute. Let's talk FT8 here, guys, uh, the FT8 Auto. I think uh, Brent uh, knows which one it is. I, I don't think it's the one that's in WSJT-X. I think it must be a a spinoff of that. So Brent, if you can tell us which one to get, I don't know if it's a different, if it's a client or or if it's a, a variation of the WSJT uh, software. So uh, uh, here's what I'm thinking, guys. Maybe next week, if I can, yeah, I can download it or whatever. Uh, I'm thinking about putting the, putting the FT8 Auto on the radio over here in the shack during the show and I can uh, I can pipe uh, that into the show you know the the screen just like it's a camera shot and every 15 minutes during the show every 15 minutes we can we can look at how many contacts we've made and by the end of the show we'll uh, we're gonna look and see how many contacts we made hey we may have worked DXCC man during the show <laughs> I don't know I'm thinking about trying to do that for next week so um, I just gotta uh, get the uh, get the software. Uh, Brett says it's called WSJT-Z. Uh, it has some bugs, he says. I would imagine it does have some bugs, probably. Mm, okay. Well, anyway, hey, that might be what we do next week. I played around a little with regular uh, FT8 here. You know, maybe last year. I, I got it on my 7300 over there, and, and a little laptop I've got, and. Uh, you know, it's kind of neat. You know, I worked a few countries. I mean, it's different. You work in countries differently, but with the regular, you've got to, you know, you got to kind of click on, you know, call this guy, you know, uh, and then sometimes he doesn't answer, but you call this guy, and uh, and so, you know, you are interacting a little bit. So that, that may be interesting to do an FT8. Let's, let's see what the chat room is saying here. Okay. All right, we got a winner, a QSL winner there, a WD8IOL. He ordered his QSL cards. Uh, I actually, I actually uh, won also some QSL cards, but I happen to have printed 1,000 cards a, a year or two ago, and I still have about 900 cards, so I didn't need it. I gave it to my son, Chris, who's down in Texas. Chris is going to uh, have some cards printed up. Uh, yeah, see. I need to get me some new cards. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, that may be an interesting thing for us to play with next week uh, on the yeah. show here. Hey, uh, I've been looking at, uh, I don't know exactly where to get it, but you can you can see these maps of uh, band openings, like two-meter band openings, VHF openings, and Right, man. There's been there's been many many the past month. There have been many many openings. People are making uh, two meter contacts. You know, one thousand miles, fifteen hundred miles, just all the time. And uh, uh, they uh, uh, the the bands are starting to open up a lot. So, yeah, it was that time of year. Yeah. So I'm thinking, 
And, and that also includes six meters. I turned the radio on on six meters today, and I actually heard somebody talking here uh, on uh, 50.125. That's my favorite band. Yeah, and uh, that's called the Magic Band. Uh, man, I, I, hey, back in the early 60s when I got my license, I operated six meters. I loved six meters, man. We were AM then, six meters AM. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I mentioned before, at that time, I held both the novice license and a technician license. So I was WN5KUB on uh, the HF bands, and I was WA5KUB on six meters. And uh, uh, built me a little homebrew three-element antenna, stuck it up outside by my window there, and a little TV rotor. And, uh, uh, man, you know, it, it, you talk to New York from Memphis just like they were they were local, you know. It was it yeah. was a fun band. So I'm thinking, okay, I I, I want to share with you some a couple easy six meter antennas. It doesn't take much of an antenna for six meters, guys. No, that's the other fun part. It doesn't take much. You could probably put a 54 inch whip outside your window and you'll work six meters. But uh, I want to share with you uh, a couple antennas that I'm using here that are real easy to build. And let me pull it up here. Um, so one of the one of the antennas I've got out in the tree right now is it's just a quad loop, and let me see if I can show that to you. It's just a, a simple quad loop. It's a full wave loop on uh, on six six meters, and you can see the bottom half of the loop there. And uh, I got a little uh, dirty ballon, you know, wound around the thing there. But uh, basically, it's just a it's just a square loop, you know, and uh, uh, connected directly to the coax. And uh, it works well. And what I did, I just pulled that up under a tree limb out here, about 40 feet in the air. And you got a six-meter antenna out in here. Now, that will be somewhat directional off each side, broad side to each, each side. Um, so there it is laying on the ground, a little bit better picture of it uh, with, with coax on it. I just used some PVC pipe and uh, uh, just ran me a, you know, measured the loop, ran it around, checked the SWR, and that, that pretty much is it. And that, that's, you know, it's a decent six-meter antenna. Now, it's not a beam. It's not a Yagi. It's, you're not going to aim it at somebody, but it will work. And, hey, under the right conditions, it's, you know, you'll work people. It, it, as I mentioned before, it'll sound just like you're next door to you. There it is up in the air. I don't know if you can see it. You might see the little cross beam up here. If you look close toward the top of that tree, you'll see the cross uh, beam. And uh, it's, it's pulled up under a tree limb there. So uh, I wanted to see that. Very simple to make for six meters. Now, there's another one, that another antenna that, um, uh, that I've got. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, I've got the, uh, the three-element beam from MFJ for six, and I really love that. Yeah, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, gee. Okay, this this antenna here, and it is in um, it's in. Where's all my paperwork? You can find it on the web. You don't have to go to uh, uh, QST to find it. But this was an article. This was an article that was written in uh, May of. 2002 of QST. It's called a six meter quad turnstile. And this is a neat antenna because 
basically it's two quads just like I showed you, but they're 90 degrees oriented, 90 degrees from each other. And uh, that gives you some, it gives you omnidirectional. So let's go down and look at what, what this thing is. So uh, you do have to make a little matching, a little matching piece with uh, RG63 just on eBay or Amazon order, order five feet of RG63 and that makes the little matching stub right there. Actually, it, I think it creates a delay stub. Uh, and then what it does, it allows you to hook up both the, the say the northeast and the, uh, I mean the north-south and the east-west to uh, antennas that are 90 degrees apart. So that, that's pretty cool there. Uh, look at the look at the pattern, the omnidirectional pattern that you see in here. It's almost perfectly round, and uh, that is a uh, that, that's a nice antenna. So you don't have to rotate it. It's omnidirectional, but it's horizontal polarized. It's horizontal polarized, so uh, it, it really it really makes a nice antenna. Now, this article has a lot of building instructions here where. You know, they take a lot of coax connectors and they, they build this matching stub in, in with coax connectors and, and they, they put, put all this together. You can see them here in the picture. I did not do that. I just cut the coax. I soldered it together. I taped it up really well and, and just said, you know, I don't need, I don't need all these connectors in there. Uh, that would probably have been uh, difficult to get them all right anyway. And here's a picture using the connectors, and a picture there using uh, the the uh, the matching piece of RG63 that's hanging there in a loop. Again, I didn't use the coax connectors. I don't think they're necessary. Uh, but this is a cool antenna to build. It's omnidirectional. I think I've got another picture of it. Let me see if I can find it here. Oh, there's a there's a neat picture of it right here. And again, you can just pull this up under a tree limb. If you can get it 20 feet in the air, that's great. You know, if you get it 30 feet in the air, that'd be good. Uh, but uh, he tells you in that article, he tells you in the article how to, how to build it. Also, this one is built using uh, RG58 as the uh, matching uh, line. Uh, I'm not sure I haven't read it yet, but uh, uh, what he did here. Uh, but uh, uh, obviously it will be a different length, I'm sure. But basically it's the same antenna. Uh, let's see. And that was, that's called, if you just want to look at that antenna, it's just, just uh, do a search for six meter quad turnstile and uh, you'll find it. There it is in June of 2016. My article was 2002. And, and and a lot of people, a lot of people are building that that antenna right there. Now, uh, there is a uh, there's another antenna that you can probably build very easy. There we go, using open uh, open line. It's just a J pole, a J pole antenna. And uh, I would imagine, I have I haven't read all this, but uh, it's probably I think two I think six meters, a half wave on six meters is fifty something like 54 inches if I'm not mistaken. That sounds uh, about right. It's probably a 54 inch piece of uh, open line. You've got a notch cut on one side and then you've got, uh, you've got the bottom shorted and then you, uh, you just uh, fasten the coax across uh, the two conductors there. Uh, no other matching required. 
That antenna, basically, you take that, uh, that open line, tie, tie a rope or a piece of nylon cord around it, throw it over a tree and pull it up in the air, and it's a vertical antenna. You're vertically polarized. I think uh, most of your sideband stuff is horizontally polarized, but you'll still work them. Uh, but again, it would be, it would be also uh, omnidirectional uh, for you there. Um, yeah, some years ago, uh, one of our club members built a, uh, a six-meter J-pole out of the copper tubing. Well, here it is right here. Okay. And they, that was one of the dirty Santa presents we had at our Christmas party, and that yeah. thing was fought over. I mean, everybody fought over that six-meter J-pole. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and I've got one of those over the rafters out in my storage building, a six-meter copper uh, J-pole that I built. Uh, again, this is basically, this is like the open line I just showed you earlier, but it's made out of copper and, of course, it's wider spaced. Uh, but again, tie your rope around that top end of that pipe right there and pull up my tree, and you've got your six-meter J-pole up here. So, guys, the bands, are, the, the, the bands are really opening up a lot, especially in the VHF, UHF uh, range, and, and uh, there's some really some good contacts. They sound great. Uh, uh, and uh, you ought to try it out if you haven't done it. If you haven't been on six meters, you ought to try it out. All right, so I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Let me see what I got on my list here. You know, we may talk about some other antennas. Uh, some of the, hey, antennas are so much fun to make, and uh, they're so simple. And uh, you almost can't go wrong on them. And uh, you guys have seen my tape measure antenna. Uh, it's a little more difficult to make, get that tape measure mounted on there. But you know what? Uh, they make a nice uh, uh, 440 and 2 meter uh, Yagi with just a piece, a, a one by two. You take a one by two piece of wood, and I think even you can use clothes hangers. And uh, you yeah. just cut the elements on those clothes hangers. The right link, drill your hole through that, that wood, stick those clothes hangers in there, and you can easily have a seven or eight, you know, nine element uh, antenna there for uh, uh, two meters and, and, and 440. That's actually what I ran growing up in Florida. I built like a, an 11 element uh, clothes hanger uh, beam, and yeah. uh, it worked really well. Yeah. Well, it'll work. And, uh, you know, you don't have to spend big bucks for an antenna. Antennas are probably the simplest things for you to build. Uh, and, and even the Yaggies are simple if you're up in the VHF, UHF area. Now, when you start getting down in the HF area, you, you're dealing with really long elements and stuff and, and, and uh, the, me the mechanics of trying to mount them and things like that. So, um, but, um, hey, you have fun. Play with, play with the antennas. Let's see what's going on in our chat room here. Well, Chris uh, is talking about the VHF band openings. Yeah, you know, someone asked me here, what about a six-meter coaxial uh, collinear antenna? Six-meter coaxial collinear. Let me look right here while we're talking. Let me just check something right here. Ah, right here in my... Yeah, look at this. Right here in my closet, man. Look at this. Yeah, let me let me give you a full screen here. Someone's talking about a six-meter coaxial. Here's your dirty ballon. Here's your coax. Here's your here's your coax. 
or not your element actually, and then the coax is stripped off the top half. So there's your top half of your element right there. There's your top half of your vertical, and then your coax becomes right here. The coax becomes the bottom half of your vertical, making this a half wave, making this a half wave vertical coaxial antenna. And then, and then I uh, just got a dirty ballon, and then ballon, and then just a coax connector there. So um, I had trouble. I, I, I couldn't make this one work right. I don't know why. Um, I don't know. Um, I just needed to play with it more. Uh, it. I just don't know why I had trouble with it, but it didn't want to work right. All right. So that's a couple antennas that you can use and build. Uh, well, let's see. Yeah, Chris is asking, what band is that antenna? I think it's six meters. The one I just showed you? Yeah. Yeah, that was a six meter, six meter coaxial, meaning you take the, the coax, you know, you take, you take the, you, you cut the, the you cut the, uh, co the outer shield off the top 54 inches, which becomes half your half wave dipole, and then, then you have coax on the outer shield for 54 inches, and that becomes the other half of your half wave antenna. Um, so anyway, hey, that's easy to do. Let's see what's going on here. Uh, let's see. Well, that's an idea. Um, WD9IOL uh, uh, said, "Hey, everybody, post your QSL cards. Uh, I'll uh, I'll post a picture of that on our Facebook group and request that. And uh, next week we'll look at we'll just zoom through everybody's QSL cards. So, if you got a QSL card, guys, send us a picture. Actually, post it. Post it on our Facebook group. I don't know. If, I'm, I'm hoping most of you guys are in our Facebook group. We've got." 14,000 people in, in our Facebook group. That's the easiest place. If you send me pictures here and pictures there and pictures on Facebook, uh, <clears throat> it's a job for me to try to get all that stuff together for the show. Uh, so, yeah, hey, next week let's do uh, QSL cards. Send us your QSL card. I'll try to remember to do that, too. Um, okay. Yeah, hey, the Delta Loop, I've got a Delta Loop out here that's um, for, uh, cut for 40 meters that I use all the time. And it easily works all the harmonic uh, bands above that, 40, 20, it'll work 10 meters. That Delta Loop also, that 40 meter Delta Loop also is a, a good match uh, for, for 6 meters. Uh, very low SWR and... and uh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty big antenna out there on six meters, guys. So, uh, Delta Loop is good. You can use that. All right. Uh, uh, hey, Doctor uh, WA4 YYM. He's got a horizontal loop squalo. I've seen a squalo. I've, I've never had one. 
That's cool. Man, six meter activity wins the best time. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it can happen just about any time, you know. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, hey, I want to ask Brett. Brett, uh, did you ever get a chance to try that tuner to see if it worked? The one you got at uh, Huntsville, uh, Brett. Tell us, uh, tell us, uh, give us a status on that. All right, hey guys, let's take just a quick break. We'll be right back, and uh, uh, we we've got some more more good things to talk about. It will do 10 gigahertz. This transceiver also has a few industry firsts. It's the first to support the five major general bands from VHF to SHF. The first PoE powered RF module designed to be at the base of the antenna to eliminate signal loss and the first to be compatible with amateur TV and analog FM mode. Other features of the IC905 include a large 4.3-inch touchscreen, real-time high-speed spectrum scope, easy digital mode settings, high-performance GPS antennas included, full D-Star functions, SD card slot. Aim higher and enter the world of SHF. For more information, go to www.icomamerica slash amateur. All right, and we're back. Hey, you're back with uh, Tom W5KUB, that's me, and with Glenn KW5GP. Um, if you're out there listening on uh, WBCQ, uh, welcome. Thank you for tuning in tonight. We hope uh, you enjoy the show. If you want to join us uh, on our uh, live video show, you can join us on Tuesday nights, uh, Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time, just by going to w5kub.com. If you're out there listening on shortwave, you're listening to our show on international, 7490 kilohertz, and it's somewhere between 5 o'clock and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on a Thursday. So uh, the show is just repeated on shortwave there. Uh, we found it was much easier to uh, to get a copy of the show to uh, the shortwave transmitter instead of trying to do it live. Uh, a lot of times there were issues trying to do it live, uh, although we did it live for quite quite a while. All right, so let's see. Uh, man, okay. Um, Okay, uh, Brett says uh, the tuner module is on the bench. Works with a dummy load, but I need to torture test it. Rain gutter. Okay, it sounds like Brett. Sounds like you got a working. Uh, sounds like you got a working uh, uh, antenna tuner there. SGC recommends. He said it's on a dummy load there. Hey, SGC recommends that you use a hundred watt light bulb uh, for your testing. You know that's not going to be a that's not going to be fifty watts and. Uh, uh, but uh, that's a good test for that SGC uh, tuner, and uh, it will definitely tune that light bulb. And you, hey, you'll see the light bulb get bright. You can tell it's working. So try a hundred watt light bulb. Get your little socket and you know put your light bulb in here. Except Don't, there's one problem: you can't get incandescent light bulbs anymore. Well, you know, I still got somewhere. I think you can find some. I was gonna. I was just fixed to say, don't use an LED bulb. No. Oh man. Um. Yeah. The. They've pretty much shut those down. You might be able to find some on places like eBay. I think um, 
places like AutoZone and whatnot are able to still sell them as heavy-duty, special-purpose kind of thing. Ah, well. But, yeah, they're going to be hard to find, and that's a shame. Yeah, well, you know, I I guess you can still buy floodlights and stuff like that, right? Yeah, you could you can still get incandescent floodlights. Yeah, yeah. So you can still get an incandescent light. It's uh, I guess they're still incandescent, aren't they? Some of the floodlights. I, I think they still are. Yeah. Yeah, uh, get that. Try it, and uh, you know you'll see. Uh, Just another reason to take a trip down to Mexico. Oh, uh, that's true, man. You know, cr- sure. Cross the border and buy your light bulbs. You know, I, I wouldn't back. be surprised hey, if, if, you know, if, if if we get this drug thing under control, think of this, man. They start smuggling in 100-watt light bulbs. Yeah. Yeah. They can make a killing right there, probably. I, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Don't get me started on that. Yeah. Okay. All <laughs> right. All right. Hey, um, okay. Hey, I want to talk a little about, and and uh, Glenn, you and I are going to start this argument up. It won't be an argument. <laughs> uh, the controversy. I know. I know there's some people. Well, there may not be. I'm looking. There's one person in the, normally in a chat room that probably wouldn't agree with us, but he's not here tonight. But maybe, maybe he'll hear about this. So, you know. As mentioned, when we got our hand license 50 years ago, 60 years ago, it was it was different back then. We didn't we didn't have technology back then. Man, there weren't computers. Uh, you know, there there weren't even hams didn't even have SWR meters back then. 60 years ago, we we typically most hams did not even have an SWR meter. And hey, we tuned up with a hundred watt light bulb, and look what they took away from us—a hundred watt light bulb. We tuned uh-huh. up. We tuned up with a hundred watt light bulb. Yeah. So, Did, you know, what was so, it? Uh, dip the plate. We dipped the plate, and then you 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 you, you increase the load, and then you dip the plate and increase the load, and you just you know go back yeah. and forth. But and also, go. back then, those tube radios were a lot more forgiving on SWR too. Yeah, and the the uh, uh, antenna matching in there. You're loading yeah. the final uh, tune control. I had a much wider range of uh, tuning than these new solid state rigs that are nominally 50 ohm. They'll probably do what? They'll probably do 35 ohm to maybe well, 50 ohm or something. I don't know. They, what, at three to one SWR, yeah, a lot of them I don't know start what the range is. If they have it already, you know. So, so back back to the subject. You know, back then. It was this was a technical hobby back then. Uh, this was a technical hobby. You really didn't have you didn't have. There will be there there will be a few cases where this was starting to happen, but we didn't have two meter repeaters. We didn't have four forty repeaters, and of course, living out in small towns like where I live, we didn't. I mean, you couldn't do anything on really on a two-meter walkie-talkie or anything because you you weren't going to talk but a few miles with it. So it, it was a real technical hobby back then. You know, we had to know circuitry, we had to know electronics. You know, we had to tell you. You know, we had to state what a copus oscillator is and how a copus oscillator works and 
uh, identify the stuff. I mean, it was it was a it was a very technical subject back then. Yeah, I grew up in Miami, and we did have two two meter repeaters in town. And what year was that? What Century. Um, uh, it was nineteen seventy four or five. Yeah, see, I'm talking, uh, in my case, I'm talking 10 years even before that, man. Yeah. So, but uh, we yeah. were running a simplex teletype net. Yeah. On, yeah. on two meters. So, you know, it was much different back then. And, yes. Um, you know, a person wanted to get a license. I guess um, you heard about it, you, you, you saw it in operation maybe through a friend or something, and you actually wanted to to get your license. Uh, what I'm seeing nowadays, not everywhere, but what I'm seeing nowadays in some places is people are. It's like it's it's like a police and they have a quota. You know, I've got to write you know 400 tickets this month. It's kind of like they're trying to say we need to we need to. Uh, we need to recruit 200 new hams every month in this club. Well, that might help the club to use. I hadn't thought about that. But, but you know, the thing, the part I get, the part I really don't that I don't like is is the um, ones where they say, "Okay, I'm going to give you this list of questions." You take two hours, you take three hours, you study it real hard, and then, then we're going to give you a test, and we're going to get you through this. And you're going to have your license in three hours, whether you want it or not, and whether you even know what you're getting. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, what I mentioned earlier, there are people sending messages I'm seeing on Facebook and around stating things like, uh, you know, hey, I, I, I got my radio today, now what do I do? Well, I don't know, man. What What do you do? What do you want to do? You want to? Is it VHF? Is it UHF? Is it HF? Or is Are you a digital guy? Are you an analog guy? What What do you What do you want to do? Well, I don't. I don't know. I just somebody told me to get my license, and I got it. Now I Now I need to find out what I do with it. You know. Exactly. And that's what bothers me. That kind of license, and you know, it, it's kind of like. You know, Glenn, it's kind of like you run a business, and and and, and you you've got you know you got a business of a thousand people, but you need to hire another hundred people, and you go out there and say, okay, guys, I want you to hire a hundred people. I want them all hired by tomorrow at five o'clock, and and uh, uh, you know just interview them and you know see if they would like to have a job, and you know if you think if you think they might be okay. Uh, or, you know, you could actually look for somebody that actually wanted that job and maybe understood that job and maybe could do that job. <laughs> there are places where people are hired in those jobs that have no clue what to do, man. And now they're, they're drawing, you know, big bucks in those jobs, man. So anyway, that's, that's where I have this rub on quotas and just pushing pushing people i think i think the ham radio courses should include maybe 
some topics or segments that taught a person, you know, hey, here's why it's good, you know, here's what will work, here's what typically works, here's what don't work, uh, you know, what would you like to do, uh, you know, what are your interests, y you know, um, So I don't know. Anybody in the chat room uh, have have thoughts on on that uh, as far as the way we're recruiting hams today? We're, we're going to end up we're going to end up with a hundred thousand hams that know absolutely nothing. Well, I think you can take that to a lot of areas in terms of electronics, computers, etc. Uh, about well, in in my case, I can look at my own career in. 1990 or thereabouts, most of your larger computing companies, your field service companies, those, those major folks, stopped hiring just because the field was, was shifting and there was the, the, you know, look at how many of those big companies have gone by the wayside. You know, DEC is gone, Control Data, who I was with, is gone, Burroughs, you know, all of those big companies are gone. So they stopped hiring, and that was a lot of your learning because those companies would train from inside. Uh, schools stopped teaching the electronics and the STEM classes, oh, probably about 15, 20 years ago, and they never really did a good job of it in the first place. You had pockets of some very good schools, some very good teachers, but as a general rule, your STEM really didn't focus into electronics. And... As such, you're not getting the, the younger folks involved, and they've got no path in. And then you, you come into the ham radio, and now, like you say, I can just go memorize the test, and all the, all the answers are there on the Internet, memorize my 35 questions, get my license, and boom, I'm a ham. Now I can get on the air. At no point in any of this, have you talked about the etiquette, the process, the procedures, how to get on the air, how to do it properly um, without, you know, you know, ticking people off and things of that nature? Um, you know, so you've got kind of a multiple-edged sword here in that how do you reach these people to even let them know this hobby exists? And then they get in, and the first thing they do is they grab an HT without even bothering to, to look into the other bands, the other modes, and the other things. So to me, that's that's a big hole, and I don't have an answer as to how to how to fill that hole because it goes all the way back to the beginning. Yeah, and it, uh, let's see. Mike made a comment here. Uh, you know, you know. Nowadays, you get an HF rig, hundred watt HF rig. You know. The highest voltage in it is about 12 volts. It's about anywhere inside that radio, you know. Right. Other than other than RF, but you know, 12 volts. But back back in the earlier days, I mean, you had I mean, typical plate voltages there might be you know 250, 350 volts. You know, easy yeah. man. You know. I mean, you open up any rig back then. You know, the Heathkit rigs, my HW16. You know, it's mm -hmm. probably got three, four hundred volts on that final. Right. Right. Or if not more. And, and and Brett talks about, and this is true here. Uh, they they had to they had to walk the equipment to the site, and it was uphill, uphill both it ways. Was, it was uphill both ways. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, that's at my school. The school I went to was like it too. It was. I well, think and it, see, it we also mile, my did... school was three miles away, and we, it was snowing all the time, and it was uphill both directions. Yeah, but we also we did not have the availability of these handhelds that everybody's got today. You know, you know for yeah, us, for right. you that, to get a two meter well, handheld, you know, you were somebody special. Well, and let me tell you, you know, back in the sixties late 60s early 70s when we were starting to get on two meters we were getting on two meters with um motorola you know uh uh-huh. retired motorola handy talkies i forget the the one most people had was the one that's about the size of a brick i forget what right. it was called uh and then the the, the 220 the h something 220 i think was the little small one and, you know, you had to modify them. You had to get in there and get the crystals changed out. It wasn't synthesized. And, yeah, and that's the other thing. You didn't have the synthesized rigs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, my gosh, my first synthesized rig didn't come about until 79, thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. And uh, before that, you know, my two-meter rig was a, a uh, an old retired General Electric pre-progress line. Yeah, and I had some progress stuff, too. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about it in just a minute. You know, uh, uh, Mike says, it wasn't Mike, DJ said that it was HT220, and that's what I was trying to yeah. think of. HT220 was the little Motorola. If you had one of they those. They were expensive, it, though. If you had one of those, man, you were the sharp sharp guy. Everybody else had, the, maybe it was a HT100 or maybe a HT200. I don't right, know what it was. Maybe, maybe DJ knows what it was, but it was about the size of a brick. Yeah, if you had yeah, the HT220, yeah. you were clearly somebody yeah. special. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, Mike said he scrapped old color televisions for his rigs. Uh, yep. Yeah, you know, I grew up, my uncle, TV shop. We had hundreds of junk TVs. And, hey, some of the some of the kilowatt amplifiers I built, I used color TV power transformers. And, uh, you know, those power transformers, uh, some of them would put out, you know, 700 volts each side of center tap, you know. Yeah. That's 1,400 volts, man. You put a doubler on that thing, you know, you got you got over 2,500 volts uh, there, you know. And, you know, the interesting thing about that is, you know, uh, in, addition to, uh, in addition to your high voltage on those, like a TV transformer, you had your 6-volt winding and you had your 5-volt winding uh, on there. And... And if you didn't use the six and the five, that was less heat that it would cause. And, you know, you could usually run that transformer a little heavier if you wasn't pulling current out of the five and six volt windings. Yeah. And in fact, uh, my first HW100, not the 101, but the HW100 I built, I homebrewed the power supply because there was nothing to it. The yeah. heat kit power supply was nothing to it. I took a, I took a uh, TV transformer. And I forget, you know, I, I forget what it was. It was probably 350 volts each side of the yeah. center tap. Or it was something. just a know. big old transformer, some diodes. Yeah. But you know what I did? Uh, you know what cap. I did? The HT HT 100 had 12 volt filament. You needed 12 volts. Yeah. And I I series the I series the 5 volt and a 6.3 volt uh, in that power supply, and that's how I ran my HW 100 all right. the years. You know, 11 11.3 volts, right there. So, you know, we had a lot of fun back in those days building stuff, you know. 
Well, yeah. and I think also part of the, you know, to return to the original discussion, uh, part of it is the appeal of the handheld so you can talk to your buddies on the local two-meter repeater. And, I, I mean, I'm guilty of that. When I lived in Birmingham, we had our morning for lack of a better term, our morning net. Everybody driving to work was on the repeater oh. every day. And, so, you know, yeah. uh, so it became convenient and popular just to do two meters. So then all you needed was the HT. And then you got that crowd that got in and it's like, oh, I don't want to learn Morse code. I don't want to do HF. I just want to talk to my buddies on two meters. Yeah. So they went the handheld or mobile route. And, you know, that's kind of, and now these people have progressed and they're the mentors for the new generation. And, you know, the new generation in some ways is getting shortchanged on the mentoring side. And this is something I've been talking about for years. And that is, there is no real procedure guide on how to do ham radio. There's not a book. You have to go look at a YouTube video or whatever to yep. figure out the yep. etiquette and, and stuff. Yeah. So we got a couple of Motorola experts in here. Maybe DJ's one. He, he identified the walkie-talkie, handy-talkie. DJ, my first two-meter mobile rig was an old Motorola taxi cab radio. It weighed about 40 pounds. It was about, I don't know, it was about, I don't know, 14, 15 inches long, maybe six inches tall, had a, had a slope front on it, had a speaker on the front. Yep. We had a switch. We had a switch on there for two channels, channel one, channel two. And yeah, he's volume, saying max track? Volume, volume one, volume two. It was, a, I think it was something like an, maybe DJ knows, it was something like a 40D or an 80D or something. It was a Motorola, ta old taxi cab radio. And, uh, uh, I, I traded it from an old timer, and you know how they, you know how they, they refurbished all that. Those those radios were actually put in a dishwasher. They were opened up and put in a dishwasher and completely cleaned, and then dried out, and that's how they refurbished those those there. Uh, and then you're talking about the GE, maybe some of the GE Prog line. You yeah. know, uh, that's that was a big radio. It usually, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think, is that the trunk mount? A lot of models were trunk mount. A lot of yeah. those were like a 100-watt trunk mount that you put Yeah, in they the had trunk. a control head up front, and the rigs were mounted in the trunk. Yeah, I had I had some Motorola 6-meter, six, six 100-watt trunk mounts that I had, had one in a the trunk. They were also made for like the 154 megahertz band, so they had to be tuned down into the ham bands. Oh, yeah, yeah, they had to be tuned. So... So here I am, you know, this is many, many moons ago. I have an El Camino, man, El Camino. And I've got a 100-watt, 6-meter rig in there, and it's got the control head. It's got the Motorola mic, got the control head right there. And my son, who's in the chat room, Chris, had some of his friends. They were riding around West Memphis, and the cops stop them and want to know what they're doing with a Motorola radio in your truck. And I don't know how bit, how hard a time they had, but uh, I think uh, I think the cops gave them a hard time for that Motorola radio uh, in that in that truck. Man, 
Chris will probably uh, he'll probably comment on that in just a minute. <laughs> yeah, he said, "Oh, it was bad." Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're still in there, so that was yeah. kind of that was kind of fun. Um, you know, and you also have to remember back then those are tube radios that you're running off of a 12 volt battery, so you had the vibrator power supplies. Well, I, I had both. I had both the some of the old tube stuff, and then a lot of the, the that newer stuff, the hundred watt stuff that I had, like for the trunk, it was solid state. But man, it pulled like it pulled like forty or fifty amps, man. I mean, it was, oh gosh, yeah. You know, it was. Uh, yeah, it was you'd have to change the alternator out in your Pro, car back yeah. then. G, G Master Pro uh, was, yep. was, was some, one of some of them. Yeah, yeah. mine was a pre-progress line. Uh, and then, um, you know, Doc is talking about uh, the Drake TR-22. Yeah, I had one of those, too. Yeah. Um, you know, I probably had just about one of every of the early two-meter rigs. I built the Heathkit uh, 2036 two-meter um, rig, uh, the first synthesized rig that they had. And uh, then I had uh, a Kenwood uh, HT, and then I moved up to the ICOM 2AT, and that served me for, gosh, the next 15, 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, said and the, Chris the, is saying it was a Motorola Micor. Yeah, the uh, the taxi radio I had was the Motorola, and uh, I would take it, when I'd go to work, I'd put it in the car. When I'd come home, I'd take that 40-pound radio out and take it in the house and plug it into a power supply head. You know, yeah. that was my that was my two-meter radio, you know, and... Uh, and then I think I finally upgraded somewhere to a Regency. Was it an HR2? It was a, It was one of the first yeah. little solid-state channel-selectable uh, two-meter rigs that came out. You know, so we, we upgraded that. I just wonder. Uh, you know, the big thing back yeah. then is 90% of what we had was crystal. So anytime you moved or a new repeater went up in the area or whatever, you had to buy new crystals. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the other thing. If it wasn't the vibrator, you had the dynamotors. Yeah, I never read anything with the dynamotors. That, that's no, a, I didn't either. That was a little too much for me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, but that that's the thing is the availability of an HT now, you know, you can get a Baofeng for just a couple bucks. So that's what people are using to get in. Um, and then um, you've got your prepper types, and they're being told to get this kind of a radio. And so they're just following what the instructions are rather than really looking into what's going to serve the purpose. They're just following somebody else's opinion. So I think we've lost that mentoring um, aspect we're, we're pulling hard to get them involved but once we get them there we just kind of dump them and say okay you're on your own yeah well i uh i had two repeaters on both vhf and uhf for many years in fact uh after i moved over here uh i, I basically i gave them up i i gave away uh the uh the my core repeater i had here i gave it to the, one of the local groups here and i think i gave them either 17 or 20 micor 100 watt radios i had they were in the attic just stacked up about to break the floor down you know so uh you know i wasn't ever going to use those things again now it might be fun now to take something like that micor you know it's got the crystal in it and take a dds or something you know an arduino or a dds or 
you know, whatever you got there, Glenn, and make a little VFO to put on that sucker. That might be fun now. Take one of those 100-watt radios, plug it in the crystal socket, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, but back to the original question, I don't really have an answer uh, because, like I say, it seems like once you get them into the hobby, you just kind of drop them and expect them to be able to figure it out. You know, oh, come to field day and get on the air and you'll you'll figure it out. Yeah. There's no, yeah. you know, yeah, we've got all these boot camp courses and get your license and stuff, but we don't have a single thing anywhere. And the only thing close is ARRL's on the air magazine. And I don't have, you know, a, enough of an opinion on that to be able to speak to it e either way other than the fact that they have one and it is aiming at that market. I was trying to check the uh, chat room here. Yeah. See any comments? Yeah, I agree, Brett. Mentoring are what Elmers are for, but it seems like we're more focused on getting them into the hobby rather than mentoring. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I've got a guy contacting me. He's a prepper. He's a big prepper and wanted to come on the show at some point. He says they're not they're not the uh, they're not the extreme preppers, you know. No, no most preppers are not. Most are yeah. just prudent people. Yeah. I mean, technically, you could possibly call me a borderline prepper. Uh, you know, I'm prudent. I have taken some basic measures, but I'm not fanatical about it. And you know, um, you know, I just you know do a little bit. Yeah. But well, no, like I'm not says, so says says we shouldn't stop, stop at getting them licensed, of course. Yeah, I mean, I think they need to get a license if they want the license and if it would be a benefit to them and if they yeah. would enjoy the hobby. But uh, I, 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 you know, it's like, uh, man, it's like, uh, like, uh, hey, come to my course. I'm, I, I've got a course. I've got a two-hour course for underwater basket weaving. Yeah. And I'm doing that. I'm doing that tomorrow night, underwater basket weaving. And we're going to get you your, you got to have a license for that. But we got a Navajo Indian that, that helps teach this course. So come tomorrow night for Navajo uh, underwater basket weaving. Oh, yeah. I'd and, love to, and, but I can't. I've well, got my skydiving and, and, yoga class. And they that say, night. well, I, I mean, I don't even know if I really want to, you know, uh, weave a basket underwater. Well, yeah, but, you, you know, come get your license. And see how you like it. Yeah, just in yeah, no, the, no, we've got to do a better job of interesting them up front yeah, and yeah. giving them real reasons to want to get into ham radio. In my case, the fun, the thrill, I love contests. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that that's what we should be focusing on, on is the reasons to become a ham, not the let's get your license and then we'll, we'll figure it out after you get that. That's just not the way to do it, in my opinion. Well, you know, maybe we ask a new person that's that has said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll study. Maybe we should ask him, name me three things that you can do with ham radio. You know? Well, you know, you may say, well, I, I don't know three things you can do, but I'm going to learn, but I think you should learn that before you get your license, to tell you the truth. I really do. I may be well, 
I may be right and I may be wrong. You've heard that before, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of it, you know, DJ hit on it, but not for the same reason. And that's the no-code basket weaver line that he threw out there. And that is, yes, things change with no-code. And I'm not going to say for the better or for the worse, because I'm a no-code yeah. extra. But we we stopped caring about the technology around that time and focused on just getting on the air. And yeah. I think that's kind of where it started. And I don't know how. I don't have an answer for this as to how do you get back to people wanting to learn the correct way and wanting to become a ham for what ham radio has to offer rather than wanting to be a ham because so-and-so says it because the license of this, I can get a $30 handheld, you know, get, come up with some really good reasons for them to, to want to get in. And yeah, DJ, again, you know, new hams are spoiled by the good technology, you know, cell phones mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and yeah. Kenny, Kenny, you're absolutely right. The older hams had a passion to want to learn and maybe the new ones don't have the passion. I'm going to go one step forward and say they do have that passion, but they don't know how to find somebody that can help them up that ladder. You know, we don't have that mentoring level anymore. The, those guys that you can go to and say, you know, go see Joe over there. He knows everything and he'll tell you exactly how to work that DX stuff in a pile up. And that's that's what the things we're not focusing on. Yeah, and I, I, I admire the, the new hands that are wanting to learn the code. It's not required. But they see, I think, maybe they see the uh, the usefulness of Morse code. And they're trying, they're, they're wanting to learn it. And they're wanting to learn it on their own. Nobody's pushing it, I don't think. No, it's actually, you know, it's actually more popular yeah. now than it was, you know, when they instituted the, new, the no code stuff. Well, and it tells me that they have uh, thoughts of moving on to a little bit of higher license, too, instead of you know, yes. remaining at, at a tech license or whatever. Well, and see, that was the one thing I did like. I mean, I hated it at the time, but the novice license was only good for two years. Well, you know, you had to get that, and you had to move up. We did not. I don't think we had the tech when I was there. Well, you were, uh, yeah, you you were spoiled because ten years earlier, the novice license was good for one year. Yeah. And if you didn't, if you didn't upgrade in one year, your license expired, and you could not renew it. Exactly. Now, you know what? I there, had, there are people. There are people right now that are still holding a novice license from twenty or thirty years ago. Right. There's a few out there. Yeah. Know. Wow. And yeah, but it, you know, it was the same with me. I had two years to get that general because I don't believe I had the technician available to me at that time. I think there was a gap from when you were getting started and from when I got started, the technician was dropped or whatever. Yeah, there have been several changes. Or it may have been that VHF was so limited at the time I got started that the technician had no value to me. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, basically, I got my novice. I had two years to get up to 13 words a minute and get that general, or I was out. Yeah. I, and I had know, to do um, it at the Miami FCC office and, you know. There's a he's 16 not year old kid scared out of his mind. I don't see one of my friends in the chat room right now. Um, Dwayne said old hams have to give up operating when they have to go to a nursing home. 
You know, and I'm going to tell you, there's a, there's a ham that usually is pretty active to come in our, and watch here. And uh, he is in a nursing home. I think he's in Michigan or Wisconsin, up there somewhere. And um, he, uh, the, uh, the maintenance people there, they put up an antenna for him. He has radio in his room. So some nursing homes might allow it, you know. Uh, well, at the other yeah. side of the coin, if you've got access to a cell phone, you have access to Echolink and yeah. remote, yeah, yeah, uh, remote stations around the world. So no, you don't have to give it up. You have to find a different method, maybe. But no, you don't have to give it up. Yeah, yeah. There's always a way to work around it. All right, guys, you're listening to Amateur Radio Roundtable uh, on WBCQ, shortwave station, WBCQ of Monticello, Maine. We're also on uh, our Facebook, well, let me take that back. We're also on our YouTube channel. It's just W5KUB on YouTube. You can watch our show and even participate by going to W5KUB.com. And click on the little button at the top that says chat and video, and uh, you can join the show. That's on Tuesdays. We really appreciate it that you're, uh, you're able to join us tonight. Um, and um, uh, again, it's time to mention, join our uh, Facebook group. It's called W5KUB. Join our Facebook group. We'd love to see you there, W5KUB. Also, hit the subscribe button. Hit that subscribe button for uh, the video here. That will help us out a whole lot. The arrow there should be pointing toward the subscribe button to help you out. It should be down there somewhere. Please do that. Uh, again, hey, if anybody's interested in $20 gift certificate for Mastrant, uh, Mastrant, uh, the, the uh, non-metallic uh, wire, rope, whatever you call it, uh, for guiding your tower, holding your antennas up. Send me an email. I'll put your name in a hat, and we're going to draw a name here pretty soon uh, for that. So I've got several of these. Again, I mentioned uh, here's a $100 gift certificate that we will give somebody if they're interested in tinidine, Cubex quads and antennas. You can go to their site. There's $100. If you want that, send me an email. You can have that. Um, if you want tickets to Hamcation then in Orlando, I think it's probably around the third week of February, uh, send me an email. We've got several people requesting those. We've got two sets of two, and we'll, uh, we'll pick some winners uh, for the Hamcation tickets, but send me an email if you're interested in those. So we will, uh, we're looking forward to uh, giving those away. Let's see, Glenn. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I ran across this uh, this uh, website. I think it's called Ham Radio, Ham News Hijinks. Have you ever you ever run across them? No, I'm not familiar. I with think that one. all the stories are fictitious, but I mean, it is so doc well written up. I mean, it looks like the April Fool's thing, you know. And. Uh, there's uh, complete stories in there and naming, uh, naming uh, clubs and people uh, that, you know, like wrote the FCC and complained about, you know, uh, uh, Bofang repeaters on, I mean, Bofang radios on repeaters transmitting the siren each time they key up, and the FCC has now banned those. Uh, there's, uh, there's all kinds of stories like that on there. So 
you might want to uh, you might want to look at that. Uh, I think it's called High Jinx. It's uh, ham radio High Jinx. Uh, there's some funny stories on there, and they they look real, man. They look real, real, real. Hey, I fixed my satellite system. You know, it wasn't working. The antenna wasn't rotating, Glenn, and yeah, what was the problem? Well, well, I had two problems out there. One, one of the antennas became misaligned. One antenna was like this. The other, other antenna was like like this. So you know, I had to get them, I had to get them back aligned. And then, it, then um, on my indicator, on my my um, Yazoo G five thousand DC control box, the azimuth meter was not moving. It wouldn't move at all. So I thought the yeah. antenna's not I thought the antenna's not moving. It would go up and down. The meter moved, but no indication here it was moving. I did find out later that the antenna was turning out there. It just the azimuth meter was not working. So I started troubleshooting that. Uh the the pot, the five hundred uh, on pot, it was good. It was coming back all three leads. That looked good. Um, and you know, even to even to test it, I I just connected a 500 pot across the back of that controller. You know, that I could just right. manually turn and and watch the meter. No meter movement at all. And man, Ooh. you know, I took it, I opened that thing up, and and uh, you know, I'm used to working with uh, miniature surface mount stuff, and it was miniature. Uh, some of the, most of the parts were not marked, and uh, it was difficult to trace the circuitry pretty much. Uh, although I was able to find the circuit that went to that meter, and basically it goes from it goes three screws on the back of the controller, you know, from the resistor. Yep. It it it, it went through uh, a little pot, and then uh, there was a like an inductor and a two hundred. 70 ohm resistor and it looked like it went into like an op amp and then out of the op amp another 270 ohm resistor or something and into the meter basically it was that simple right you know and uh of course i couldn't get a, a diagram on this new dc model they don't publish it they publish it on the ac model and uh you know it, it identified that that little triangle as it identified it as Q3, one half of Q3. Uh-huh. Now, that's not the symbol for a Q, you know? They, yeah. had, they had the other circles. They had the other circles in there for Qs, but they had Q3 for this op-amp symbol. And this, this right. op-amp symbol said, you know, one half of two, you know. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, okay, that's fine. It's got, uh, it's got two inputs. It's got an output, and the chip's got to have a plus and a, mi and a ground. And if it's half of that, it, it duplicates that. So it's got to be got to be an eight-pin chip. If it's one half, it's got to be an eight-pin chip. There was no eight-pin chip anywhere in there. So I think it's marked wrong. Of course, I had the wrong diagram. I I think they actually are using a transistor there. Well, anyway, you know, I, I wiggled around the wires and stuff and tried to test some voltages and stuff. Uh, I was actually able to take my own meter and put it on the output of that, I'll call it the op-amp. And I could see the meter move. The, the azimuth meter would move. So I said, okay, I know the circuit's good from there to the meter. So that didn't leave many more parts back behind there. And the op-amp, that was about it, basically. But during all that troubleshooting, one time I thought I saw the meter move a little bit. 
when I had the, the button pushed down. I thought it moved a little, and it, it moved slow. One time only. Prior to that, it had not moved. After that, it did not, did not move. And I'm thinking, okay. All right, I'm going to box it up. I'm going to send it to uh, Yezu. Because I don't know what that transistor is. It's not marked. It's I don't want to ruin my warranty. I could get in here and I could heat this thing up and I could get those parts out, but you know it probably wouldn't look good. So I was filling out the paperwork to send it in, and I, and I, I had one more thought, and I said, you know what? I saw that thing move once. In a period of all this troubleshooting, I saw it move once, and if it moved once, that pretty much tells me that op amp or whatever it is isn't bad. If it worked once in between, you know, not working and not working, you know. So I, I said, okay. And I had the paperwork ready to send this thing in. And I came back here. There's a little pot in here that there's a pot for maximum deflection on that meter. Right. And I put the screwdriver in that pot and I turned it one micro of a m micro, micro milli-degree. I mean, I didn't turn it. None. Uh, I touched it pretty much, and when I touched that pot, the meter started working. So yeah, I was gonna say. So the meter actually was open, or it had some dust or something in there. Just it wasn't making connection. So it was a simple fix, but I almost boxed that thing up and sent it out of here, man. Yeah. Um, actually, I just looked online, and I'm finding. I'm I'm seeing a schematic for this for the G. 5000 DC? The 5500. I mean, 5500 DC? Yes. Yeah, but people are posting that, but that's not... Okay, look at the motor. See the motor? Uh, it's it's real... I, this is a small image, yeah, so it, I'm but, having... But the motor should be down toward the right, bottom right. Yeah, maybe. bottom right. There's you the motors. It? You see three wires on the motors? Uh, yeah. Those are AC motors. A DC motor only has two wires on it. Um, and it reverses by just reversing the, the current. Okay, that's going to be more like the... Uh... Yeah, so it's just... So so that tells me that's still the wrong, even though somebody is supposed to do yeah, it. Yeah, but that 500 ohm circuit's going to be the same. Yeah, and now, yeah, you see the little triangle there? It looks like a little op amp coming in. Uh, pins uh, A1, 2, and 3. Yeah, let me, A1. A1, 2, and 3. That's that is your, a 455B... Op amp. I don't. I can't find it. And it says one half. One half of a 455B. Yeah. Okay. So that means that that chip's got eight pins on it. Yeah. There is no eight pin chip in there. There is. It's just not where you can see it. I, I, I looked. I can't find it. But where that triangle is, it looks like uh, it looks like a a typical three pin surface mount transistor there. Well, they may have gone to a yeah, I think see, they have. Three I, pins doesn't even sound right for an op amp. Well, it's not an op amp. No, well, an op amp, I have three pins. Two ins, one out, and then, you know, you're... you're, you're yeah, but minus. then you also have power, ground. Yeah, you're plus and minus. Okay, think of this. Two two op amps in one chip. You got two ins and outs. You got two outs. I mean, you got... Let me start over. Your op amp, if that's, if that's one half of the op amp, you're going to have... You're going to have... Your two inputs and an output, you'll have another two inputs and an output, and you'll have a plus and a ground. 
So that that's eight pins. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that three-pin device is, it can't be an op-amp. But that three-pin device is the device that's in where that op-amp is showing on that diagram. You see yeah. there's a little uh, there's a little inductor coming off of it, you know, I think a 270-ohm resistor com coming out of the output of that, uh, that, tri that uh, triangle. You should see a, a little uh, inductor and resistor. Um, I'm looking for something else here. Okay. But look, look at the diagram real quick, and and you see the you see the output that we'll call it an op amp for now. Yeah. It has an inductor, and then it has a resistor, something like a inductor, and something like a two hundred and seventy ohm resistor. And then it goes to the meter. Yeah, I need to go back to that circuit I had. Yeah. And I'm all froze up now, so. Oh, well. Anyway, anyway, it's fixed right now. Uh, and many, many, many people are commenting on, on uh, the, the web that they cannot find the schematic for the DC version. Everybody's trying to use that, that AC schematic. Yeah. And I think, you know, so the motors are different, but I think they've changed that op-amp out to probably a transistor. Okay, hang on, I may have found one. But yeah, that that would make sense with that pot. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, just a little it got a little tarnish or whatever, but isn't that like a brand new Oh yeah, well, it's about it's about eight months old. Yeah, months. I mean it should not have any issues. Nope, it shouldn't. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing that bothers me is Yep, yep. But I, mean, uh, I probably didn't I wouldn't even turn it enough you would notice, you know. Uh, I didn't even have to recalibrate it. Uh, yeah. After I turned it, I didn't have to recalibrate that pot, actually. Okay. I actually believe I have found the DC. Well, if you do, I'd love a link to it. What kind of motor is it showing? Three wire motors? Try. I need to make it, I need to download it first. Oh. Um, yeah, there was a bunch of sites that wanted you to download it and, and add a extension on Chrome, and I, I typically say no to that. But uh, this looks like two-wire motor connecting connection. Well, if that's it, then that could be it. And the definitely transistors instead of instead of the triangle, they show a. Uh, a yeah, hang on, I'm, 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 I just found the download link. Cool. Okay. Hey, send me a link to that. Not that I need it anymore. Okay. Hang on just a second. Now I can open it. And now I can, now I can zoom in on it. Well, sort of. Hang on. Opening in the wrong program. I'll get there. Give me a minute. Yeah, yeah. But I can actually share my screen once I get it up. Yeah, and uh, you downloaded it, right? It. Yes, I did. Yeah, so, okay. Hey, just send me a copy of that at some point. Hang on. Uh, let me open this this way. Now there, I can there zoom There are in. so many people looking for that, and... Uh, 
Yeah, this definitely looks like it. Um, it's kind of very hard to see. You can take a guess at what the pins are, though. And yeah. you can see that it goes into those transistors. I can't see the meter. Uh, da, da, da. But here, let me let me share my screen. All right. Let's just see what you got there. Guys, we're doing real ham radio troubleshooting here. We're yeah, you got to enable at, screen sharing. We're looking at schematics and all kinds of stuff. Let's see. Security. All right, that already did. Okay. And there we go. Well, it, you know what? You're not even you're not even seeing me, are you? I didn't turn on the video back to you. No, I'm not seeing you. I didn't turn the video on back. I wasn't going to say I anything. Have, I should have done that, man. I am so sorry. Let me do that. But now again. you should be able to see the share. Let's see. Let's see. There. Now I got it going back to you. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Let me see. Um, well, let me see here. And you see, instead of op amps, they do have these three pin transistors with resistors built in for the biasing. Yeah, I can't see. Do you, I, I, does that have, do you see an A1, A2, A3? I don't see it. No. See, I it's don't think, coming I, in a, I'm not sure that's the right uh, diagram. I saw that online and I couldn't match it up to anything. Well, the key is the components. Yeah. Because you're saying a three pin and this is supposedly the 5500 DC. Yeah. So the A1, A2, A3 may be this top portion that's been cut off. All but right, the big thing at, uh, I'm getting uh, at is there are a, no uh, op do you, do you have a um, uh, e, E1, E2, E3? Not in the piece I'm seeing. So, okay. So let's cut, the piece is cut off that I need. It could be. But again, stop and back up and just... Look at the technology. Yeah, yeah. All of the devices are these three-pin semi-transistor-ish devices. Yeah. That matches what you've got. Yeah, well, yeah. See, yeah. I'm not seeing any pots, so the circuit that I'm looking for is probably in this upper cutoff area. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't clearly see A1, 2, and 3, you're not seeing Yeah, that. but I'm getting at there's your technology. Oh, there's yeah. the tra It is a transistor with biasing built in. Yeah. So you can translate that that's what you're coming into higher up. Yeah. Well, on my other diagram, I'm seeing transistors. The certain the symbol for transistors is just that up there on A1, 2, and 3, they had a triangle. That's right. It's a three-pin device. It is not an op amp. It is a transistor with right. built-in biasing. Right, right. Yep. So that's the component. You know, yeah, don't think of it as op amp. Think of it as a three pin transistor. Well, yeah, I never thought of it as an op amp. Okay, well, you've been calling it an op amp. Well, I, only because that's the way they have it drawn. I kept, you know, I kept saying it. I don't think it's an op amp. No, I that's the wrong schematic. Yeah, yeah. This this one that I found is the closest to it. 
Yeah. But see, it's still. Let me let me look for images, and I might be able to find the the full up images. But that's the first two motor version that I've seen. I did see that, Glenn. Uh, I I did get that offline, the one that you had there. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't seem to match up with anything I had, so I never really used it. Yeah, I think it does match up. It's just the piece you're looking for is cut off. And th this particular drawing doesn't give you that that piece. But, yeah, at the end of the day, basically, you had a dirty pot. Yep, that's what it was. And you shouldn't have a dirty pot on an eight-month-old product. Yep, and if I'd sent that thing off, no telling what, it might have been down here for months. Oh, they and, they probably would have done, the, the first thing they would have done would have been to turn that. that I don't dive. know. I, you know, they may have got bumped in shipment, and they might have hooked it up and said, no trouble found. That's true, too, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to go ahead and we're going to close the show down. It's 9.30. And, guys, we'll see you next week sometime. We uh, appreciate you joining the show with us tonight. Thanks for being with us. So, Glenn, we'll see you next week, I guess, if you're around. Yeah, I'll be around. All right. And, hey, just real quick, any ham fest or anything in the next few days? If it, um, no field day? Well, no, uh, we've, we've got the Olive Branch Day in the park. Um, yeah. on October 14th oh. we're going to have all sorts of prizes and stuff to yeah. give out well guess what I'm getting a new eye put in on the 12th I may not want to come down here no you're probably not going to be in a mood to come yeah yeah probably not okay well good that means other people stand a chance at winning prizes that's right that's right they may <laughs> they, they may but so, yeah they've got a, a bunch of good prizes already lined up um yeah. i'm looking at if i get the book finished and everything i'm targeting going to chattanooga in october oh wow um but yeah that's that's probably would be my next ham fest if i'm gonna go to one Ooh, finley ohio's this sunday i, I bet that's a good there drive go. that's probably further to dayton isn't it probably yeah 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 then adrian michigan in a couple of weeks yeah huh okay good night everybody hey i Hey, I saw that uh, I saw Doc got his prize. Yeah. Uh, several other people have sent me email. They got their prize. I'm glad people are starting to get their prize. Uh, guys, you should be, everybody should be getting their prize by now. So hopefully uh, that's happening. And if it doesn't happen, let me know and I'll try yeah. to help you there. Send me three to everybody. Yep. See you later. Good night.